Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to our Recruitment Technology Special episode. First of all, I'd like to welcome my partner in crime, Shelly Billinghurst. How's it going, Shelly? Hey, Serge. I am living the dream. How, how are you doing? I, I am doing well. I'm surviving under this COVID like everyone else. But uh, I think uh, by having these special guests, I think this makes it really interesting. So how do you feel about being on a podcast with three really handsome men? I tell you, Serge, this is the highlight of my week. I tell you, thank you, gentlemen. I am just loving every minute of this. Thank you for asking. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So how about we introduce those two special guests? So I'm going to start with Brad Clark. Uh, Brad Clark is the co-founder of Rectex. He's the organizer of Recruitment Jam YVR and is a recruitment practitioner himself. So do you have enough to do, Brad? Are you busy enough? Yeah, pretty much. I'm, I'm also uh, a dad and a husband, and somehow I even fit some hobbies in there too. But uh, yeah, sleep is not one of them these days. How many kids do you have, Brad? Uh, I've, just, I've got one son. Uh, his name is Ryder, and he's, he's amazing, but he's a handful. You might hear him yelling in the background. You never know, because this is the, uh, the new normal of working from home. So. I totally understand. I have three young kids, so I think uh, if you hear some screaming in the background as well, it's it's just, it is a new normal. So yeah. that's good. So Brad, really welcome. Really appreciate you joining us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for having me. And so let me uh, take over the mic here for a minute, and I get the honor and privilege of introducing you to Mr. James Lord. Uh, James is Sales Director for North America with XREF, and he's also partner at Hacking HR. James, thank you so much for joining us. And tell me, what are you filling your days with? Thank you. Um, yeah, great to be here. It's um, well, interesting times, right? It's um, Every day is kind of the same, but also different at the same time. There's, 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 very, uh, there's a lot going on. There is absolutely a lot going on. So we've, we've been busier um, certainly over the last couple of months than we ever have. Um, and we're, we're we're reaching out to people and, and new business and stuff as well. So um, yeah, there, there, there's lots going on out on our end. Awesome, awesome. Well, gentlemen, thank you so very much for joining us. Um, and as Serge said from the top of the show, um, and even from our very um, you know napkin discussions, should we do this podcast? One of the things that we were absolutely set on was the fact that we both love tech. And we both love to see what's coming up in recruitment technology. So I am so excited to have you here. And I'm just dying to hear your responses to some of the things we are pretty sure the audience is going to be pretty keen on. So Bradley, I'm going to start with you if you don't mind. Um, You know, with text recruitment becoming adopted by recruitment departments, can you give us your insights on, you know, what we can expect to see start to happen in this space in the next couple of years? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, I think the big one's going to be the adoption. I think we're going to see a lot more adoption going forward, not just from recruiters, but from anyone interacting with a candidate. Um, so, I mean, so this is going to be, you know, coordinators, this might be HR people, it might be more for onboarding. So I think adoption is going to be the big one. And I think what we're going to find is probably more players in the space, um, you know, 
we're going to see probably more uh, more options. Like one size doesn't fit all, and so we'll probably start seeing more niche players in different sizes, which are, are kind of geared towards different organizations and what stage they're at. Um, so I think that's one of the big things as we'll see, as well as when it's being used. And I think that will be mm. as tech starts replacing email because there's just so much noise on email and the speed of email is so slow more on the top of funnel activities. So more on the nurturing side, more kind of almost like marketing like activities. So, you know, a new world of recruitment marketing, you know, trying to be kind of top of mind at all stages that Toma uh, and relationship building. So I think we'll see more top of funnel text messaging take place. So that, that's kind of my like crystal ball to seeing the next you know wave. And then there's also that kind of blurring line between human versus chatbot versus automated replies, etc. So, that's going to be, it's, it's going to be interesting because I think that it could be done well, but I think it, it could also, you know, probably get into some, you know, areas where it actually takes away from the platform, you know, from that, that, or, you know, maybe platforms on the right turn, but like text messaging it is a, is a channel. So there's going to be, it's going to be interesting right. seeing where it goes. Right. Right. Great. Thank One you. question for you, Brad, and just yeah. curious as far as what is the adoption right now as far as text recruitment? Um, do you guys have any figures, numbers on that? Yeah. So, I mean, for it's a pretty high at this stage. Like we've done a couple surveys and, you know, we see it as high as about 70% of recruiters are texting. However, many are still using their cell phone. And I think that's what's going to change is people realize, hey, this isn't the right tool. I need the proper tool for this. And so, you know, they want to use it, but that's the only thing they have access to right now. Mm-hmm. Any stories of people sending pictures of their junk to the wrong person? Uh, yeah, there's some pretty <laughs> embarrassing stories or autocorrect, you know, and so someone like, oh, you know, yeah. write back and, you know, they'll, you know, say something, a message or they'll think they're texting, you know, their partner or friend and uh, it can get, yeah, pretty embarrassing pretty quick. And so it's, you know, it's hard to take those text messages back, you know, once you've kind of crossed that inappropriate line. Another yeah. one, which is kind of not on the accidental, but, one thing that we found in our research was candidates texting female recruiters, you know, assuming there was a, like, you know, say late at night or off hours being like, you know, more flirty text messages, et cetera, and, and not treating like a professional channel because they assumed that was a, you know, they kind of crossed the line because it was a mix between personal, the personal and, and corporate wasn't divided with proper tools. So mm. that's kind of one of the things which, you know, again, that's why you want to use a proper tool and kind of separate those worlds so it doesn't get blurred. Thank you. No, I think that's some really good points on uh, on text recruitment. Uh, I was, or I am a client of uh, Rectex and I've, I've been really impressed. And I think the biggest thing in that end as far as the ability to not use my phone, which I've had in the past, I've never sent the picture of my junk to anyone, so we're good. <laughs> that's um, good. So I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to James here. So I met James um, by being one of his clients too. So I, I've always been fascinated by the automated reference uh, checking because I'm personally re- I'm kind of lazy as a practitioner. I I just hate reference checking. I think it's one of the most frustrating things to do. So putting that in context, and so obviously. I'm seeing some noise in that market as well with competitors coming in play. Um, but just do you think automated reference checking is going to change how reference checking is done? For sure. Yeah, I think it's it's an industry that's been ripe for disruption uh, for quite some time. It's um, 
it's out of date, right? You know, I think, you know, reference checking is one of those things that for many is just seen as a compliance tool. It's box ticking. It's the, uh, it's the last hurdle that you have to overcome before you can onboard someone. And for the most part, most people, and I say people as in hiring managers, have typically already made a decision on an individual. Uh, but due to compliance or maybe audit, you know, regulatory reasons, they have to go ahead and do that referencing. And it's a pain. Um, you know, manual methodologies have been around forever, you know, and, and by manual, I mean, making phone calls to people that you don't know and asking them for an account of information from someone or about someone. Um, similarly, sending emails, um, you know, that, that is fraught with risk. Um, you open yourself up to discrimination and, um, you know, constant feedback loop. And the candidate experience is absolutely terrible um, when that communication is going on between the prospective employer and uh, and the reference. So I think the industry has been ripe for disruption for a long time. Um, Xref is is one of the is one of the first players actually to to be doing what we've been doing. We've we've been going for about ten years now at this point. Um, I think we've seen a lot of new competitors pop up in the probably the last two to three years, uh, which is natural. Um, you know, it's it's relatively easy to enter the market. We see them go just as quickly as they come sometimes so um so, so that's that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out but i think from from the end user perspective from a hiring manager absolutely nobody enjoys reference checking and if they do i don't want to talk to them because i want it to be horrible so this is a great solution for them <laughs> well it's an interesting perspective and myself and shelly were talking about it is we yeah. both find that the reference checking practice in itself is a little bit an outdated notion. A lot of companies are doing it based on, on compliance. But um, one of the things that I'm curious on your end, how can automated reference checking, is there, can you change that perception uh, as far as what you're doing? Is there a way that you can leverage what you're doing and change the way it's being done now to give more value to the business? Is What do you see on that end? For sure. Um, absolutely. I think one of the things, um, people are typically in, in two camps, right? They're, they're either like, we scrapped referencing years ago, we don't want to do it, or we do it just because we have to from a compliance perspective. There are a very few uh, people out there that see the real value in references. Um, now, what we're doing is we're bringing that value to, you know, the guys that are in the street. You know, ultimately, when you've got a tool that's a set and forget tool, that sits natively inside your, um, you, you know, your existing ATS or your existing system, and you literally press one button, and all of the work, all of the heavy lifting, all the feedback loops is done in the background, and you have the ability to then start benchmarking candidates against one another, and you start to spot trends, and the data then starts to tell stories. That's when it gets exciting, and it goes from something that is, yes, just a compliance tool to actually something that can add real value and can back up the decisions that you need to make in your organization um, for the best. So there, there's a ton of value if it's done correctly, for sure. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Thank so you. Can I chime in? Because I think you're, you've touched on something that I know um, is a hot spot for, for both Surge and I, and probably for both of you as well. And that's the whole applicant tracking system. Um, there's so much coming on the market and, you know, I think even if you Google it, we are getting thousands of applicant tracking systems, but, you know, when you look at, um, the marketplace, uh, 
for applicant tracking systems and knowing that the integration of technologies, and I don't call it a, a stack of what technologies you need to have. Um, so what what is important, do you think, when we're considering companies um, to, or considering applicant tracking systems and adding your tech into it? What do we need to be looking for? James. Bradley, do you want to go ahead? Yeah. Me first, okay. <laughs> Um, I, I think, um, yeah, good question. I think it's it's, it's one of the things that um, that for us is, uh, is is so so important. I think most importantly, um, you know, the, the system that you're trying to integrate with can it scale? Um, you know, can it scale with your organisation when you plug it in? How quickly can you plug it in? Are you talking about weeks and months of lengthy integration work? Um, you know, is, is it just a, a quick setup? Um, and then ultimately the business that's behind it as well. You know, again, Shelley, to your point just now, we see so many companies, so many ATS companies starting all the time. Again, because the barriers to entry into this market are relatively relatively low. You know, you can go and start an applicant tracking system quite easily. Um, so we, we've, we've just been flooded with them. You know, the market's been flooded with them. But, you know, those that, that last are good, solid, strong businesses. You know, they've got a good, strong P&L behind and they've, they've got something... Um, that's unique in the background. So I think as a vendor, integrating with those ATS platforms, absolutely paramount to our success. The vast majority of my customers come through applicant tracking systems. Um, you know, because if I go where the customer spends their time natively and I make their life easier by just either adding a, an additional stage or a click within that ATS, they use the product, which is, you know, a win-win. Hey, yeah. Brad, can you chime in on that? Yeah, definitely. I, I think on my side, I mean, like where, you know, I look at ATS and landscape, they said, yeah, it's obviously, it's evolving, it's expanding. Um, I think the ATSs which will be left behind are the ones which are still trying to do it on their own. The ones which are, you know, acting like a monolith and, and, and they do everything really kind of shitty, to be honest, you know. So anytime I see any organization, you know, and they say, oh, well, you know, we're an end-to-end -end solution and we do everything, it's usually not done well or the ones which are very close and you see a limited number of partnerships or the ability even to enter their ecosystem. Uh, you know, I know there's some ATSs which even are trying to charge vendors to add products to their ecosystem. So they're trying to get you know, money on both sides of it. And I think that future is going to end soon. I think the, you know, I know when I'm evaluating ATS, you know, I've, I've selected and implemented ATS as a, as a, as a recruiter myself and, the big one I look at is, is what's the ecosystem? What's the support? What are people actually saying about it? Does it play nice of other vendors and tools? Because I realize I'm going to want to hook up and bolt on different tools as my as the organization changes, as I need new technology, new technology comes available. So I think that, I mean, you know, being nice to play, uh, you know, is, is pretty important, you know, as far as ATS uh, and, and where I see things going. I mean, it'll be interesting seeing what happens to the, bigger systems which are really ingrained because I think one of the challenges though even though there are these ATS challengers coming out is they're really sticky solutions like it, it's very organizations really hate ripping them out and I think that's just yeah. too bad because some of these new ATSs are great and they're super modern they work well they're, they're actually designed with the end user mind and but getting off an old legacy system is pretty painful so hopefully that you know that jump can be made easier hopefully in the near future. So yeah, your point is really well made. I think that's why sure. Taleo still exists in that sense. So one of the things that I'm curious about is 
as far as the marketplace itself, we're seeing like iSIMS and Smart Recruiter kind of creating a marketplace that you basically go in and build in your technology. Do we see that as as a future of ATS as far as basically they're they're kind of just a base and you can build upon it as far as a vendor like you just build out your your technology to work with it? Or is that something that's just in with some of the bigger players? I think it's pretty like it, it depends on the size, right? I mean, I'd say Greenhouse is also one of the ones which has a great marketplace. I mean, same as you said, yeah. ISM Smart Recruiters. Uh, you know, they're really leading the charge there. Uh, I think that's going to be the future. I, I can't imagine things going on their own. Uh, that being said, though, I mean, there are some tools which can stand alone. You know, I know there's a lot of things on the sourcing side where a lot of sourcing tools uh, just live in their own world. You know, they don't connect into an ATS. And so, you know, having a tool which plugs in is ideal, but if it can live on its own and still add value, I wouldn't, you know, there's still some value to that. Like on some of the tools that don't live in that ATS ecosystem, I guess. Yeah. Makes sense. One of the things that um, I've been hearing a lot about, and I think it's been in the, the market, it's been in the recruitment landscape for a long time, but I, I think adoption is a challenge is talking about AI. So when we talk about AI, we're talking about potentially candidate matching. We're also talking about, Simple as chatbots. Chatbots are being used on a lot of career pages right now. Um, are we far away from actual adoption at a larger scale? Because right now I do think no one really understands candidate matching, AI candidate matching as far as when we're talking to practitioners. But like James, what's your thoughts? Do we see AI becoming adopted by recruitment in the next couple of years or are, are we 10 years away from that? I think if you would have asked me that question pre-COVID, I would have said we were five to 10 years away from that. Um, you know, I, I think it was one of those, AI has obviously been around for quite some time. Um, I think there are a few vendors out there and it's it's kind of like the Wild West because the, the pricing's kind of all over the place. Um, you know, so, some, some folks are, are relatively reasonable and others are, are kind of off the charts. Um, in, in terms of because there weren't that many players that were doing it very well. And I think the adoption for it was one of those things. It was almost a bit of a, and it still is, uh, really a bit of a buzzword in terms of, yes, you know, we need to be doing, we need to have chatbots, we need to have AI, we need to have all this intelligence and that sort of stuff. Um, but people were just playing lip service to it. But now I think, you know, I, I read an article the other day that says that COVID for HR and talent people is what Y2K was to IT people. And I, I see a lot of truth in that in terms of the sense that I believe that what the time that we're in right now is a huge catalyst for these sorts of technologies um, and, and mindset changes that I think we've been talking about for a long time. Uh, so I think it's massively pushed it on. And I think we're going to see an adoption of AI much quicker than we otherwise would have thought pre-COVID. Yeah, interesting viewpoint. Uh, I never really put that in perspective as far as COVID and driving the change in AI. I did see how it can change, like video interviewing, a lot of different, those types of tools. So in, interesting perspective there. Brad, what's your thoughts around that? Uh, it's interesting. So, I mean, I think where we'll see AI is, is on the commodity side of things. So, like, if you're doing mask recruitment, commodity recruitment, uh, I think that's areas where, again, whether it's a chatbot or whether there's some machine learning built into something and some, you know, whether it's resume matching, et cetera, I think we'll see that. But I think any real high demand, like knowledge work recruitment, uh, it still requires a human touch. And I think that's where, you know, 
I worry about some of the AI solutions because some also have a side where they're trying to replace humans, you know, and there's that kind of idea like, you know, I look at more, hey, instead of artificial intelligence, if we're looking at augmented intelligence solutions, um, you know, things where you're able to, you know, automate repeatable tasks or put some intelligence behind, you know, kind of the, the drudgery of the job, um, you know, and allow for a more human touch, then I think those are some of the solutions. But I also agree. I think there's there's a bit on the hype cycle. I think AI is coming down. I think there's two things. I think there's a lot of people who are misusing the term, kind of like as James was mentioning there. Um, but I also think we're getting better at understanding the differences and understanding, okay, well, this is some basic machine learning, or maybe there's some some natural language processing built into this or sentiment analysis. Or So I think we're having better conversations about what it's really doing, and as well as some of the hype has fallen off of it. So I think you know, it's kind of going down that hype cycle and kind of getting a little closer to reality. But I, I think that's really interesting. Like, and James, and your point there about the idea that, you know, post COVID, this will change our technology adoption. And I think, uh, you know, it, it's, if nothing else, I, I think it's the mindset will be first changed and maybe that will really lead to that technology adoption. So it'll be interesting how this plays out. And definitely. Yeah. So, you know, um, thinking about just how much noise there is in and I think you said it wonderfully um, you know like are we kind of tired of hearing AI because nobody's really specific about what exactly it is uh, and it, it does create a lot of noise in the technology space so so Brad share with us like what do you do as a vendor to stand out uh, so as a vendor I think for us it's we're really right now I mean again during mid-COVID right now, it's being kind and trying to help the recruitment community. You know, I think that's one thing, like, you know, we're trying to, so we're offering our product for free for people who are hiring essential services just because, you know, we want to give back. We're also offering for free right now for people who have had a temporary layoffs or for low their staff uh, because we think it's a good communication tool. And so I think right now, like if you're a vendor, if you've got the ability to help out, just understand and give back to the community any way, shape or form, whether it's sharing knowledge or access to your tools or anything, I think that's probably first and foremost, like just to help us get through this as a, as a community. Um, and I, I think the second part is, you know, I, you know, this is us, but I'm also a fan of other products, which are actually built and designed by recruiters. You know, I mean, I've had to be subject to a lot of tools I've had to use, which were built by someone who probably had no clue what recruitment actually is. And, you know, we're trying to solve a problem space they just didn't understand. And so, you know, I think right now there's some really cool technology out there uh, by other fellow recruiters, like Human Predictions. I'm a big fan. Uh, you know, Elliot, their founder, he's like second generation recruiter. I was talking to the founder of Talent Wall. He's an actual recruitment, a bunch of recruiters designed it themselves. And so I think products designed by recruiters for recruiters, uh, I think that's how you stand out as a vendor right now. Like you're actually part of that community and, and trying to solve the problems that we are actually facing. Well said, well said. And, and I so agree. I think giving it away comes back tenfold. So, and I just, I just love that whole philosophy of being part of the community because certainly for me, there's nothing more rewarding than being surrounded by like-minded people. And I think pretty much every industry sector feels that way. So James, share with us, what is, um, what is it that you're doing to stand out? Yeah, I think um, I echo a lot of uh, Brad, what Bradley's just said there. I think that the, the most important thing is the way I've personally always done business is very, very slow to grow, very organic, you know, based on relationships and trust. You know, the vast majority of uh, the, the most, the majority of my business comes from recommendations and referrals. Um, 
Serge has, has used the product uh, a couple of different times at different uh, companies that he's worked at and has referred me into into different in different places as well because you know to Bradley's point it's there's strong tech but we're also nice people to deal with as well and I think that's the most important thing you know pe- people people like dealing with people that get stuff done do what they say they're going to do and are just generally quite nice to deal with uh, I think it's interesting Bradley as well drawing another parallel to, to to you guys one of the criteria to work at XREF actually is uh, maybe a bit discriminatory thinking about it out loud. But one of the criteria is that you have to be a recruiter. You have to have worked in recruitment in order to get a job here. So, you know, you have to understand the challenges that our customers go through on a day-to-day basis um, before you can work in in any aspect of of the job, whether that's product uh, or or sales or customer success, you know, really is across the board. But, you know, again, like sort of pre-COVID, I think for, for me, the way that I developed my business has always been based on relationships and trust with a good, solid product. Uh, during COVID, uh, very similar. You know, we've we, we've given away the product for free to people on the front line. Um, we are sharing webinars, we're sharing successes with between our customers as well, which I think is important. And, and we're just being there. We're listening. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well done. Well done. And and it will it will pay off for us. We know it will. Not that that's why we do it. Um, <laughs> no, really, because your motivations to um, you know, to take your technology and help those that are laid off or you've had half your team furloughed. You know, I, I, I do believe it creates a unique opportunity to demonstrate value uh, because it will come back. Nobody's, uh, nobody's got a crystal ball to know what it's going to look like. But um, that opportunity when you've seen, you know, you've still got work to do and you've got half the people to do it. Um, that's when I think these technologies that both of you are representing is just absolutely um, going to shine. So yeah, I love the point. Uh, I love the point that you made uh, as far as both of you, as far as uh, recruiters using recruitment technology. One of the biggest challenges that we see in a recruitment space is definitely uh, the spaces. The technology is usually chosen by director of IT or CIO, and in a lot of cases too, it's the finance person choosing. Uh, an HR or recruitment tool, which usually never ends well. So I love the I, I love what you're talking about when it comes to as far as recruitment, understanding the functionality and the ability to to leverage those tools. I, I'm really curious on this sense. So obviously, COVID has changed a lot. Last year was an extremely hot year when it came to acquisitions and investment in the recruitment technology space. Um, Obviously, the fact the, the whole environment has changed, but any predictions on where you see it? Obviously, last year was really driven by programmatic advertising with AppCast and, and ClickIQ being sold. What do you foresee? Like, where do you see as the hot space being uh, on, the, on the market for acquisitions? How about I start with you, Brad? Uh, I mean, I, I feel like uh, George LaRoque of, of HR Wins would be the right guy to ask for this question because, you know, he's got his finger on the pulse for this, yeah. this world. But uh, I, my guess is, is you know, post-COVID, it's going to be, I think the mindset's going to shift into realization that more remote, more gig work. And so any, again, kind of gig work platform, video interviewing, anything which can open those doors and facilitate that now that we've kind of got to that paradigm of, you know, bum in seats, people need to be in the office. So I think we're going to see investment in that. I think we're going to see a lot of tools come out of this, which are to facilitate that. 
know, if I was to make an easy prediction, I mean, I could see Greenhouse snatching up Talonwall because those two are really highly, you know, partnered up. So that would be my my easy prediction. But I think bigger picture would be yeah, anything gig work, you know, video related. Um, I think that space is going to be expanding quite rapidly soon. Yeah, and we're seeing that investment right now. Um, so it's interesting. I do foresee the same. How about you, James? Yeah, I think uh, I guess going back to sort of the point I mentioned earlier in terms of COVID being a catalyst for HR people, uh, and I, I I really do believe it is. I think um, you know the the world of um, the, the world has changed, and I don't know if we're ever going to go back to being nine to five Monday to Friday forever in an office again, uh, which I think is a good thing. But I think one of the things this has highlighted is uh, is, is the need for you know, wellness apps and the ability to be able to communicate. Um, and, and actually tap into resources that are available. And I, and I think, you know, we've seen a, a surge of, of wellness type apps coming up in the last couple of years. I think they're going to do a lot better moving forward as well, as more people, more and more people adopt technologies like that um, to, to help facilitate and ultimately re- reward, um, you know, working from home. I think so. I think that's going to be a, an industry that's, that's going to that's going to really go up. Question: Were you guys shocked that AppCast got bought by Stepstone last year? Was that a surprise to any of you? Mm, not yes and no. I mean, just the overall programmatic like space seemed to kind of go pretty crazy. Uh, I know that deal surprised me. I think just the how rapid it seemed like those back to back. Everyone was getting acquired in like a yeah. two month span. You know, in that programmatic space, that kind of blew me away a little bit. Well, I think it happened literally in three weeks. Like we had two. Yeah, it was probably last year. Right? It, was, it, it was it was a crazy space. What's your thoughts, James? Were you surprised by that acquisition? Yeah, yes and no. I mean, Serge, obviously, we've, we've known each other for a couple of years. So my, my background is uh, is actually job boards. Um, so I come from the, the job board space, like just over ten years ago. Um, you know, so I've, I've seen a lot of disruption in that space, and I think it, it was it was kind of inevitable. Um, for you know, for, for the whole you know job advertising space, I, I guess you know knowing knowing a lot of those guys um, actually personally as well, I, I wasn't particularly shocked. Um, I think it was it was you know it's, it's it's been one of those things, right? You know when when job boards came out, everybody said it was going to be the death of recruitment in the nineties. <laughs> of course, it wasn't. It's just another channel. I think the same the same is is true now of many other uh, tools. That are out there at tools and tech that are out there as well so i wasn't massively shocked no to answer the question bluntly yeah so it's going to be interesting i actually have uh the ex-ceo of workopolis joining us on the podcast and she gave me some interesting tidbits that stepstone was actually trying to acquire workopolis years ago which uh, just shows the stepstone has been trying to get into the canadian or the north american market for for years uh, and my best guess on that is uh, I'm assuming that AppCast and Indeed were very close to an acquisition because it was really odd that Click IQ the day after, literally the day after that AppCast got bought, Indeed bought Click IQ. So it'll be interesting to see what the space. And I I agree with both of you as far as what we're what we're seeing is a lot of the wellness app, a lot of working from home type of technology is going to be really hot. We're seeing some investment right now, so. It will be interesting to see what the rest of 2020 brings. So, mm-hmm. so you know, I think I would echo what you were saying as well, James, around um, how this is going to change. Because I think if anyone is best suited to remote work, 
um, it, it is the recruitment function. I mean, I've been doing it since the early 2000s. Um, this is nothing new. I mean, a lot of what we can do can be accomplished remotely. Uh, do we absolutely have to be in an office? And I, and I, the eight to five, I, I can't remember the last time I worked eight to five. I mean, it's been, it's been 20 years since I ever worked eight to five. So, you know, the thought that you have to waste time driving into the office when you can be so much more effective, um, at building your relationships with people and, you know, I, I don't think too many recruiters actually do work just office hours because, you know, if you if you really need to um, connect with a candidate, it's going to be outside of office hours. So, so not surprised at all. Um, so now, gentlemen, um, anything else that you wanted to add? Because I want to make sure that our audience knows where they can find you. But if there is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, as, as far as myself, I mean, you can, mm -hmm. if you can look me up on LinkedIn, I'm happy to join uh, and connect to any recruiter out there. Uh, and you can look up Rectext at uh, Rectext, which is R-E-C-T-X-T dot com. Thank uh, you for, thank you. I was, yeah, it, it can be a little <laughs> tricky. Yeah, because we've had it misspelled other times, but it's, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I'm really happy to connect and, and you know, again, like I, I'm a big believer in community and I think what you guys are doing with this podcast is great and other things. So, any you know connection door anything else I can open for anyone in this space like please reach out because we're we're really all in this together right now even more so now than ever before so thank you Brad can, can you tell us a little bit about recruitment uh, jam YVR as far as that event do you are you still holding them uh, or is well, it obviously with the environment's a little bit different yeah unfortunately I mean like that's been postponed now we're kind of waiting to see when we can get that back on track but uh in in Vancouver I mean there's a large recruitment community and there wasn't really any face-to-face -face events happening and so uh Brian Thompson who's my who's my co-founder at, at Rectex we also decided you know hey we, we should go and, and kind of build something for the community and ideally bring some big speakers and kind of thought leaders uh primarily up from the states and so we had we had a few lined up um and so the, the idea being it's uh, hopefully once again post-COVID and humans can be physically next to each other because we did want that interaction to take place, but we wanted to create like a, a safe place for agency and internal recruiters to interact and, and bring some some key people up so we can learn and get better. And so uh, interesting enough, because you're talking a lot about programmatic, but that was one of the topics we really want to dive into because you know we really think that's something which is the adoption still isn't there, even though it's been so long in the marketing space. Uh, but for recruiters, it's still a bit of a, a weird black box of mystery to them. So we need to help kind of open that up and explain how that works. So. Well, it's been, it's been in the marketing space since 1999. So we're only 21 years behind. We get there. <laughs> we're trying to catch up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. How about you, James? Where can we find James Lord? Yeah, well, hopefully you can find me very easily um, <laughs> if uh, if the marketing people are doing their thing. But so, uh, yeah, James Lord uh, on LinkedIn, um, a little bit on Twitter now and there and, and uh, some other pieces. And, and if you've wanted to find out more about XREF, um, it's simply XREF.com. So XREF.com. Um, so there's there's some of the stuff on there that, that I get up to. I'm, I'm, I'm known I do share quite a lot of content. Um, online useful useful bits and pieces I find from my travels around the internet for people obviously relevant for, for the space and, and my audience so yeah more than happy to help and connect and, and, and share 
uh, knowledge and best practice um, from around the world as and when I see it. Great. Well, thank you so much, gentlemen, both for joining us and uh, wishing you every success and hoping that you and your whole families are all healthy and no one comes down with COVID and uh, hopefully we don't see this rebound and we can slowly begin to come back to a different new world. Yeah, I think there'll be some silver linings. Thank you for putting this on. This has been really a a great process. You're welcome. Thank you, guys. Thanks, James. Thanks, Bradley. All right, take care. Thanks. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I offer you some feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.